Welcome back to Redirected. My name is Andrew East, and this is a show where we sit down with celebrities, athletes, entrepreneurs, really anybody who has experienced a significant pivot or change, or as I call them, redirections in life. And these redirections can come in many different forms. Could be a career change, could be an illness, could be a relationship. And at some point or another, we all go through them. And so I wanted to sit down with people who have gone through these redirections well so that I myself could learn and then also share what I learned with you as well. I think there's some pretty cool stories that we have. And today we sit down with Andy Mant, who is a new friend of mine. He grew up in the United Kingdom and found himself wanting more out of life. He actually moved to Australia. And while he was there, he was working a corporate job and just wasn't happy. And so he tells a story of how he went from the corporate environment to starting his own company. And now he starts and he co-founded, he runs a company called Blue Blocks and talks all about Blue Blocks. It's a super cool company. Essentially, it's blue blocking glasses. You may or may not have seen them or heard of them, but the science is there that it helps improve sleep, helps improve just general life quality. And Andy talks about his journey of starting that, what it's like to grow that and where he's at now. I think he has some really good stories to tell and really good takeaways for you to learn from. And so I'm excited for this one. If you want to learn more about Andy and his company, Blue Blocks, you can find that in the description and show notes down below. And before we jump into it, if you guys could give the show a rating and subscribe to it on whatever platform you're listening to, it's really appreciated. But without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into this one with Andy Mance. All right, Andy, thank you for taking the time to join us on the show today. It's good to meet you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It's an absolute honor to be chatting to you right now. Yeah, well, for those listening, it's been a unique challenge for Andy and I to try to schedule this meeting. Andy, you are in Australia, and the time change is significant. It is, yeah. I think we're um, in the future, so we're, uh, we're tomorrow morning, your time. And it's, um, <laughs> yeah, it did, it did crack me up this morning, and I'm going to put it down to getting up early, but um, having, you know, how many entrepreneurs does it take to actually set up a, a, a podcast and a conversation and the answer is not me and you, mate. So it was a, it was a, <laughs> yeah. it was a solid start. <laughs> oh man, that's great. How is tomorrow though? On uh, you know, on mm. the, on the lighter side of things, is nice, good, nice and warm. Yeah, no, we're all good here in uh, in Perth, in in Western Australia. So we're uh, just coming out of summer into autumn now, and uh, it's just lovely and warm. It's you know probably about sort of eighty five, eighty six Fahrenheit um, at the moment, but. You know, we, we get a lot of sunshine over here, which is which is bloody fantastic, really. You know, it gets us outside, keeps us um, fit and healthy, and yeah, yeah. I can't complain. It's um, it's very isolated, Perth. It's it's actually the most isolated capital city in the world. Um, it's actually quicker for us to get to South Africa than it is to get to Sydney. So we're we're, really? we're a pretty big continent. Yeah, I don't know how the geography lines up on that, but that's a really interesting fact. <laughs> I was uh, I was I was on your Instagram looking at that video you posted about it's not a bad place to be quarantined and you're on Oceanside with the skyline in the background. It looks yeah. beautiful in Perth. It is, man. It, it's, it's absolutely amazing. And, and the thing is with Perth, it's, it's pros and cons, like, like everything, you know, Perth is so isolated. So you don't have big cities. Our state is the size of Europe, um, you know, half the size of the U S and we have 1.8 million people living in it. So mm. we're pretty spread out here. So it's actually wow. a good place to be quarantined. It's always warm. Um, we all have big houses because um, they're cheap to buy with, with swimming pools. Um, and we can get to the, you know, walk to the beach, um, you know, lots of bush walks as well, which is, um, which is fun. So yeah, no, it's yeah. absolutely, um, it's, it's the place to be. I'd, I'd, if, if I could choose to be quarantined anywhere, it would be here in Perth. Is, is bush walks like a, a metaphor for something or does that mean like a nature walk? Is that, is that... Oh, too funny. No, I mean, it can mean one of two things. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what it, what it means for me, but yeah, <laughs> uh, work, it's walking, walking in the forest and all that, but we don't, yeah. we don't really have forests here. It's, it's sort of, cause it's all deserty and um, sort of scrubby. It's more like just sort of a load of sort of dried out, um, you know, bushes, basically, you just walk through, which doesn't really sound really yeah. appealing. No one likes a dried out bush. But, um, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's, it's good, man. It's good. It's good yeah. to get out and be with nature, kangaroos everywhere and all that good stuff. So yeah, I big houses, that. pools by the beach. It sounds like uh, it sounds like the Truman Show. You ever seen that that Jim Carrey movie? Yes. It's yeah, been a while, be. but yeah, that is pretty cool. Yeah, we'll wake Paradise. up one day and it will be uh, yeah, walk out the door and we won't be here in Perth anymore. 
Uh, so last, last small talk thing, if we would have, if we would have had this interview a week ago, the other thing I noticed in your, in your video about Perth was your hair, just, you know, beautifully blowing in the wind, Andy, if we would have had this video a week ago, my hair was down to my shoulders. I was looking ragtag, but now I feel like we're both kind of clean cut looking good here. Yeah, we, we've had a bit of a shave and a, and a short <laughs> yeah. up on top, a bit of a tidy up. It's, uh, here's, another, here's another fact. I'm full of facts today, useless facts that no one really probably will care about. <laughs> hit me. But my hair blowing in the wind, we're the second windiest city in the world behind Chicago. There you go. That's why you love Perth. Around. Okay, so, so this, is, uh, this is how I always like to start the show is kind of setting the scene with where you grew up, what your parents did, just kind of understanding where the foundation was laid, if you don't mind uh, jumping in there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm actually British, um, as, as a few of your astute listeners will be able to tell from my accent. So I'm from a, a small town in the south of England. Um, my dad um, was a fireman, um, still is actually to this day. He's um, you know, doing more like fire safety at the moment. My mum was in um, sort of PA, EA type roles um, in various companies. Um, Dorset's like a very rural town and when I was growing up, it was great outside playing lots. Um, you know, I, I did well in school. I liked school. I liked learning. But what I found was when I went to uni, it kind of changed my perception on, on life. I was just like, there's so much more to just staying in this small country town and, you know, trying to find one of the hundred jobs that are available and that's it. And, you know, I, I decided to move away and moved to, to the county over, which was a big deal for people from my little little village. Um, I found a job and got into um, actually recruitment at the time, which was pretty, pretty cool, um, which got me into sort of the sales side of things and kind of being an entrepreneur because you have to run your own desk and get your own clients and all that good stuff. So, you know, my, my big changing point came when I met my now wife um, and we were just sick of the weather and the lack of opportunity in the UK. And that was when we really decided, right, let's, let's look for somewhere really cool to live. And just, we decided to pick the furthest, furthest place away from, from where, where we called home. And um, yeah, then just carried on in recruitment. And then we, uh, we decided to start a company up two or three years ago and, and join the, join the hustle of, of entrepreneurship. So, you know, going back, I guess growing up was pretty cool for me and, you know, I had amazing upbringing. My parents were great. You know, they were very career driven, very old school, you know, get in, you know, especially my dad, you get into a career and you see that through for the whole of your life. My granddad was the same. And I guess I bucked the trend. I, I kind of started 12 years in recruitment, but then I was like, nah, this is definitely not the life for me. Did, uh, did your parents who were used to that more slow and steady lifestyle, nothing wrong with it? Did, was there a lot of uh, resistance from them as you were expanding your worldview, if you will? You know what? No. And, uh, you know, a lot of people probably be surprised by that. But my parents were very, even though they're sort of very traditional in, in their ways, they were very much, you know, encouraging myself and my sister to, to think freely and think critically and allow us to basically make our own decisions. And, you know, that's not saying that I think, you know, both of them were quite sort of, they couldn't quite understand it. I think more than anything, they would never stand in the way of it, but they were just a bit like, wow, you know, this would be a good adventure for you for a couple of years, not really mm -hmm. knowing that nah, guys, this is going to be, you know, for, for the long term and, you know, for the foreseeable future. And, you know, they always say to me to this day, like, wow, he's so brave, like just going over to a new country, a foreign land and doing mm -hmm. this and this, that and the other. So I think it was more a case of they didn't quite understand it. Um, or I think another thing for that generation as well was the mindset side of things. They, they think that those kind of things aren't possible to do. Um, and I think they just worry that way. They're like, wow, like, you know, this is taking a real punt. Um, is it even possible? Like, how do you go about doing it? And I think it just blows their mind more than anything that someone from mm. a little village in Dorset can get on a plane and go and, you know, migrate to the other side of the world when, you know, likes of most of your listeners and yourself understand that, you know, in this, this day and age, it's, it's quite simple to do. And it just takes that mindset of being like, well, no, I'm going to do it. What's the worst that's going to happen? Mm. Well, what was that catalyst for you to break that kind of mindset that, that you were raised in for, for me and my wife, uh, we moved to Los Angeles for two years and part of me was just like proud of the fact that I had that 
courage that, that you kind of alluded to, to live somewhere other than where I was raised. Cause I never really thought that I would. And so for me to take that step was, uh, was like a, a big deal for me. And it, and it took a lot of kind of courage to do that. And so was it university? Was it, was it your, is Katie also British, your wife? Yes. Yes, she is. Yeah. She's okay, from nice. Wales. And she's, she's same mindset as you are all in on the, on the entrepreneur lifestyle. Yeah. hundred percent, wow. man. She's um, yeah, she's, she's just as bought in as, as I am. And um, I guess the catalyst that, that sparked us both, um, you know, it was very, it was good that we met each other. She's from Wales and she came down to Hampshire, which was the County over from Dorset. Um, I went from Dorset to Hampshire and we met in the same place of work. Um, so we both kind of have taken that little step of moving away from our small towns in, mm. in our various counties. Um, but what got us was just, and I, and I don't know what it is, but we just find that the, and again, I, I don't want to say mundane because it's not for some people, but just the right. standard life that people seem to live, you know, like you, you sort of you work in a nine to five job, you have this you know, handful of friends, you go out for dinner every Friday night, you, you know, watch the same shit on TV, mm -hmm. you do this, that and the other. It just sort of gave us this sick feeling in our stomachs that like, wow, is, is this life? And, you know, we were just like this, this isn't life. And we can make what we want of our lives. And we were mm -hmm. like, well, let's just, let's just try some radical different things. We like traveling, let's try, you know, just moving somewhere and finding jobs when we're there. And, um, let's try, you know, different careers and let's, let, let's not just work for the man. We don't want to do that. And we, we came to learn pretty quickly that if we didn't like something, there was always an option. Um, whenever I guess you, you going through life, I think there's always an option available to you. It's not just, oh, this is my life. You know, I've got to do this. I've got to go to work and, and work for the man and do this, that, and the other. There's always another out. And I think what, sort of like what sort of differentiates sort of Katie and myself from the others is that you know we don't accept that norm and we challenge I guess the norms and say to ourselves there are other ways to do it and, and what is the worst that can actually happen here and when you actually sit down and weigh out what's the worst that's going to happen like when we moved to Australia for instance we sat down and we said what's the worst that's going to happen here okay we've got we've got five thousand pounds which was about uh, you know, eight, 9,000 US dollars in our bank account. We're going to go there. We're going to like see what we can do, get jobs. Okay. What's the worst that's going to happen? We don't get a job. We have three months for maiden holiday and we move back in with, with our parents when we get back, find work and, and carry on. You know, that's the worst case that's going to happen. And we are just like, wow, well, you know, worst case scenario is going to have an amazing holiday, but you know, it didn't, it worked out one thing led to another. And I think a lot of people, don't even don't even think critically about you know what's the worst that's going to happen and the, well, I guess the way the brain works is that it's so irrational at, at the best of times that you know without even mm. consciously thinking about things it will talk you out of, of taking that leap of faith and um, I think when you start writing things down when you start actually talking things through pretty much everything is, is available to anyone as long as you know you can critically think and uh, you know and think what's the worst that's going to happen and then just take that leap of faith so i guess that was the catalyst that really spurred us on at the beginning wow bro you're a freaking motivational speaker over here andy uh first of all appreciate you doing the conversions offhand the the pounds to dollars and the celsius to fahrenheit much appreciated yeah. um but it, it is yeah i guess what you're talking about the the critically thinking about what's the worst that happen is not too different than um than almost what we're experiencing now i i i don't want to speak out of line but with the pandemic going on i feel like i feel like for the first week everyone was just going through step by step oh my gosh this is the worst thing that ever happened and then it's amazing how quick the humans, you know what I'm saying? They adapt in your mindset. And I feel like everyone's kind of settled in and the expectations are readjusted. And so you can do that for the bad side of things if things don't turn out like you want them to. But you also adapt very quickly when you reach the level of success that you're you're hoping for. And then it's like it all becomes mundane and, and you know, kind of status quo at some point, whether it's good or bad. So why not take that risk 
make the jump like you're talking about um, because you know, what's the worst that could happen? Just like you said, I, I love, I love how you phrased that. Um, so you moved to Perth, was working your, your recruiting job. Then mm-hmm. uh, you had a little entrepreneurial itch. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. Mine's, um, mine's, mine's quite an interesting one, actually. <laughs> so I was, um, I, I worked my way up quite high in recruitment. So I was looking after um, big oil and gas companies, um, massive contracts, you know, like sort of half a billion dollars worth of, of sort of revenue. Um, and it was, it was cool. I, I enjoyed it, man. It was, it was really cool. You know, the big players, Chevron, Texco, you know, ConocoPhillips, those types of companies, Shell, BP. Um, and I, I enjoyed doing it. But I got to this stage where because I started to get, I think, a little bit bored with the same stuff every day, I just struggled to manage my team. I just found them not really sort of getting up to my expectations. I was getting a little bit petulant with them and, you know, just just because I was bored in, in, in my job. So what happened was I was like talking to my boss and we were just like, wow, you know, I, I'm just getting a bit bored. I, I really don't know, you know, if this is for me. Um, and she was like, look, what we can do is it sounds like cause it's, and I, I definitely was at the time I was having a little bit of sort of anxiety and I was feeling really down sort of probably on the verge of feeling a little bit depressed with everything. And I was telling this to my boss, I'm really good friends with her to this day. And she's more of a mentor now to me. And she said, look, we, we can send you to see a psychiatrist, like three sessions on us, go and talk to them. Um, a lot of people do it to get like management tips, you know, how to manage individuals and how to upskill things like that. So that's quite a taboo thing from where I'm from. Like the British don't like talking about their, their feelings. They don't like sort of opening up. So I was like, Oh my God, like I'm insane. Like what am I doing? But anyway, I went with it because I absolutely loved um, my boss and we sat down and we did this test um, where I had to answer a series of questions and then we had this general conversation and then I went away. Okay. And I came back like a week later for my second session and the psychiatrist said to me, she goes, we've got your test results back. You need to start your own company. And I was like, why is that? It's like never really crossed my mind. And she goes, you have the personality of a CEO. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very rare to see. Um, if you start your own company up and you think about it and do it in a, in a correct way, you will be highly successful. Um, if you remain in your current job, you'll continue to be successful but your mental health will suffer as a consequence because you will never feel that people are up to your standard. Um, you'll become stifled and you will rebel against people that are trying to manage you. You, you but basically you say, I can't be managed. Um, I, I, I'd imagine, but you know, it was, and then it just sort of struck home to me. And then we dived deep into some other stuff and I went back to work and I was like, cool. And you know, everything was okay. I was managing people better, but there was still this itch inside me of what she said, because I'd never really thought about it. And then I just had this sort of moment um, a couple of months later where I was like, who are the people I, I admire in the sort of entrepreneurial world? And the two people that I admired the most was Richard Branson, um, obviously, and um, James Dyson. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, what, what, did, what did they do that was so radical? And both of them pretty much took existing ideas and improved them. And so I was like, because I was thinking to myself, God, I've got to come up with an invention here. And, you know, my mind's not that creative. And I was like, it's not going to happen. Um, And I remember the day when I thought, this is it. Okay. And it was blue light glasses, like the ones I'm wearing now. Um, They just weren't fashionable um, three years ago. They were just these ugly sort of looking glasses. They were made over in China in factories. And I was like, what if I could take that concept, back it up by science, um, because you know, there's a lot of research that went on as well, sort of during this period, um, where I found that a lot of these glasses actually don't do shit unless they block mm. exactly the right frequencies. So I was like, what happens if I can make them stylish? What happens if I can make them here in Australia? And what happens if I can make them evidence-based? And then that led me to speak to Katie about it. And I remember we were batting back and forward names of the company and I was coming up with awful ones and she was coming up with really good ones. And um, yeah, and then we were just like, wow, man, this is, this could be, this could be something here. So what I did was I wanted to do what any good entrepreneur does and that's test the market. 
So mm. I went to, and this was just sort of everything sort of fading in. Um, I had some friends in an optics lab here in Australia. Um, we tested a load of cheapy glasses you can get off Amazon that block blue light, found that none of them worked. And I said, right, look at the academic literature. This is what we need to filter during the day. This is what we need to block after dark. Can you make these filters? Without going into too much detail, they said yes. They made these filters, put them into some cool frames. And then I sent them off to about 50 people that wear blue light glasses that call themselves evidence-based and have massive followings, sent them all the science, basically said what you're wearing isn't doing shit for you. Here is the, the proper, proper stuff that you need to be wearing. Let me know your thoughts. And every single one of them within six weeks were coming back to me saying, you've got something here, you need to start a company. Um, so I did, and I, I started it up just um, as a small side hustle, and I carried on working in my job for, for two years doing it. Um, mm. And within two years of, and we, we can talk about how we grew it sort of if you wanted later on, but within two years, we'd gone from a $1,500 investment to a 3 million turnover company, um, which was just outstanding in terms of like, mm you know, what, 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 what we've done as, as, as a side hustle. And then six months ago, myself and my wife, um, Katie quit our jobs and we've, we pretty much doubled it again in six months. So it's just getting, yeah, really, really big. And it's been a lot of work, but it's been fun. And, um, I guess, you know, let's just see what, what happens in the next few years as, as well. Yeah, I would. I'm, I'm really excited to hear about the side hustle and how you guys grew it. I do. One thing that stuck out to me reading about, blue blocks and, and what you've started is how adamant you were about having it, you know, backed by science and evident, evidence base. Tell us about why you're passionate about blue, blue blocking glasses. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a really good question. And, um, you know, what led me onto them was that I guess about eight years ago, I was, I was really, really overweight. I was not doing any, any exercise. I was eating really badly. And I was doing the, the standard sort of cut your calories and exercise more. I was just starving hungry and I had no energy to, to exercise. And then I thought to myself, you know what? I'm a, you know, I'm a clever guy. I went to uni. I like to think I know a, a, how to think critically. So I was like, right, I'm just going to do research. I'm going to not go to the standard pages. I'm going to go into the actual academic literature and take a look at diet. Um, and I fixed myself through finding at the time it was um it was called a ketogenic diet um i'm a lot more sort of balanced in what i eat now but it worked for me and i was like wow i'm never hungry i lost weight i felt great i could work out put on a little bit of muscle and all was good and then what i found was that when i was 14 years old taking a big sort of step back i could i just could never sleep through the night and i had this sort of 15 years stretch of not being able to sleep through the night and you know i never felt um, amazing the next day, but I always felt sort of really groggy and tired. And that's when I thought to myself, if I can think critically about how to fix my weight, diet and health, like why can't I think critically about how to improve my sleep? And that was when I thought, right, I'm just going to go into the literature and um, sort of look through and find a lot more information out about how sleep works and how it works on a quantum level. And that was pretty tricky to start with because it's, it's, you know, quite, quite, quite a complicated subject. And there's a couple of times you say quantum, Andy. Whoa, I'm out, bro. <laughs> I know. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'd say no more. Uh, it's, it's crazy, yeah. but um, yeah, just different ways that sleep worked. And I found that light was a huge um, governor of how, not just how we sleep, but how our hormones operate. Um, and we all have something called a circadian rhythm, which is like a body clock that, you know, is, is entrained by light and dark cycles. And because we're around all this artificial light um, all the time, our body always thinks it's daytime. So we don't secrete the correct hormones after dark to be able to sleep and recover. Um, so that was when I, I kind of understood what it was and how it worked. And then it was, you know, trying blue light glasses. And then that was when I had that eureka moment of, you know, wow, this is, these, these things work like, okay. Um, my sleep's improved, but how can I optimize that? And when I looked into the literature and had those glasses tested, they weren't, they weren't sort of leveling up. They weren't equal. They weren't, you know, the literature was saying you needed to block this frequency of light and the glasses were say blocking 70% of that frequency. So that was when I thought, you know what, 
I don't want to go through my life being 70% my best self. I want to be 100% my best self. I want to perform optimally. I want to just get, um, you know, the best performance I can out of myself and health. So let's just line everything up with the literature. And, you know, that was why I became so passionate about not just pulling off uh, off the shelf product from China, you know, off Alibaba or something and then badging it up and selling it on. I wanted to create something that, yeah, is double the cost of my competitors, but here's all the information and evidence and peer reviewed mm. clinical studies that show that it does what it says on the tin. And off the back of that as well, we managed to have people approach us that were in the elite athlete category um, and want to actually use our product. So the first big deal that we um, did and they approached us was with the Australian national soccer team. They used our glasses to mitigate jet lag when flying from Sydney to Honduras for a World Cup qualifier. And I, I wrote flight. a paper. Yeah, it is, man. I wrote a paper with their chief sports scientist to show how to actually mitigate it using our glasses and some other hacks as well. And they qualified for the World Cup blatantly because of the glasses in my paper, of course, but <laughs> yeah. um, definitely not a skill thing. Um, and then we had other deals where um, Rangers Football Club. Um, one of the biggest soccer clubs in Scotland all wear our glasses. The captain of Liverpool, Jordan Henderson, um, you know, huge, huge player plays for England and he wears our glasses. And then pro bodybuilders were contacting us and wanting to wear our glasses and um, Olympians started wearing our glasses. And then it was like, wow, you know, these, these people are elite level athletes that are looking for the, you know, that cutting edge in their performance are actually coming to us and saying, you know, we've done the research, we know your product is, is the one to, to use, and then reporting back to us that their performance is in, improving, their sleep's better, their cognitive function's better. So yeah, it was, it was so important to be evidence-based. And you know, we didn't want to make these just available to elite athletes, we wanted to make them available to the public because you know, even though you, you know, elite athletes want that cutting edge, people might just want to f you know, feel better the next morning, have more energy. They want to sleep better. They might have had insomnia for 20 years and not been able to fix it. They, you know, they might have to get up and feed the baby in the middle of the night and a wreck in their circadian rhythms and hormones, but all they have to do is wear a pair of glasses and biohack their, their house. So, you know, this was where we turned around as well and said to ourselves, we've got this product. And this probably lead on to your next question on how to grow it. And I can go into more detail in a bit, but we were like, what are no other blue light blocking glasses company doing? And that's educate. They're sending out all these mixed messages about what light does, but no one understands, you know, quantum biology, quantum physics, and how light interacts with, you know, mitochondria and, and, and us on a hormonal and, and cellular level. So we're like, let's get out there. Let's educate and tell people how it all works. And, you know, in 18 months, I, I went on 70 plus podcasts where I was just talking about light and hormones and health and sleep and sport and um, new mums. And, and that was really well received. And there was never any selling of a product. It was just, this is how it works. We might, you know, just so happen to have a product, but this is how it works. Go and critically think about this. And if you feel like this, that or the other, then you need to look at managing your, your light environment. So that was really mm. um you know, why we want it to be evidence-based and educated. Okay. So PSA, for those of you who may not know or may have forgotten, but Mother's Day is right around the corner and finding the perfect present for mom really is tough, especially if you don't have the luxury of celebrating Mother's Day together in person. And I don't know about you, but I am a mama's boy. Uh, I love my mom and want to show her that I'm thankful for her however I can. And I know more than anything that parents cherish spending time with family. So I actually found StoryWorth a couple months ago. I'm super glad I did. And I'm very excited to gift it to my mom for Mother's Day. Uh, it is essentially a fun and meaningful way to engage with your family, especially with relatives that you might not get to see often. And it's an online service that helps your loved ones share their stories through thought-provoking questions about their memories and personal thoughts. And really, I view it as the gift of spending time together, even if you're not physically together. And so every week, StoryWorth emails your family members different story prompts, uh, questions that you might not have thought to ask, uh, such as what have been some of your life's greatest surprises and what's one of the riskiest things you've ever done. And so after one year, StoryWorth will actually compile all the answered questions and any photos that you choose to include into a keepsake book that's shipped for free. 
And I know it's something that I'm going to treasure forever. So give your mom the most meaningful gift this year with StoryWorth. Get started right away without the need for shipping by going to storyworth.com slash redirected. You'll get $10 off your first purchase. That's storyworth.com slash redirected for $10 off. And so listen, whether you're working from home or working on your fitness, you want what you're listening to to be what you're listening to, not what your roommates are playing or what your neighbors are making noise with. Uh, etc. And in my opinion, everyone needs a great pair of wireless earbuds. But before you go dropping hundreds of dollars on a single pair, I encourage you to check out the wireless earbuds from Raycon. Raycon earbuds start at about half the price of any other premium wireless earbuds on the market, and they sound just as amazing as the other top audio brands that you know. And their newest model, the Everyday E25 earbuds, are their best ones yet. They have six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, more bass, and a more compact design. Gives you a nice, noise-isolating fit. Raycon wireless earbuds are super comfortable, whether you're working out or just lounging around the house. And unlike some of your other wireless options, Raycon earbuds are both stylish and discreet, with no dangling wires or those random stems to distract anyone during video calls. So you've heard me talk about how the company was co-founded by Ray J and other celebrities like Snoop Dogg, Cardi B, Melissa Etheridge, Brandy, J.R. Smith, the list goes on. Pick yourself up a pair and see what the hype is all about. Now's the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. Get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com east. That's buyraycon.com east. For 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds, buyraycon.com slash east. But anybody that's passionate about sleep, I can get along with. I uh, We have a five-month-old, so I experienced my first real sleep deprivation, you know, like last night. And uh, and so I, I didn't realize, but it was like dangerous for me to be driving a, even a car because I would... I would always be trembling. I had this incident where I uh, I went to the gym and, and tried to work out and I passed out for the first time in my life because of fatigue. And I, you know, there was just so many different things happening. And so I've really tried to take a step back and like focus on what's going to make a difference. And one of those things was I realized that, you know, the first two months, three months of having a baby, we put our daughter down and then we lay in bed and we watch TV. And so I, I know that being, being on your computer, being on your phone and, and watching TV is bad. I'm a huge fan of the night shift feature on your phone and computer just to like, mm-hmm. you know, I I've heard mixed reviews on if that actually blocked, yeah. like uh, filters <laughs> out the blue life. But, um, but I realized that us watching TV, which doesn't have, you know, any feature, whether it works or not of, of mitigating blue light. Um, I just, I would always have this hard time of like relaxing my, my eyes and I, it would take me a half hour to go to sleep. I'd never had that problem. And mm-hmm. so that's when I started, you know, really looking into this and, and being, you know, uh, I guess, inform, informing myself about why is this happening? And, you know, obviously you, you roll across blue light and, and how that affects your body. I'm curious to hear blue blocks product is fantastic. And you mentioned, that you, your, your product is different than, than others on the market because you educate so well, but you have four kind of different SKUs. I believe you have the, uh, sleep plus variation, the summer glow, the blue light, and then the REM, uh, remedy sleep, sleep max. Did, yeah. I, I was debating on how to say that remedy or remedy, <laughs> remedy um, but yeah. <laughs> I, I love it. Um, can you tell us about those and kind of the different places those fall? Yeah, absolutely. So during the day, okay, you shouldn't be blocking blue light. Okay, so blue light has a function in in human physiology in so much that it increases something called serotonin um, and something called dopamine and something called cortisol, which is needed during the day to make us feel happy, alert and awake. Um, It's what keeps us going and what what wakes us up in the morning. Mm. But what we do during the day is because we're no longer outside with the correct frequencies of light from the sun, um, which is a high amount of blue, a high amount of green, high amount of yellow, high amount of orange, and a high amount of red. Think of a rainbow. All those frequencies are the same um, in the same quantities in the sun, and that what that's what keeps us healthy. So, 
On the flip side, blue light, no matter what source you get it from during the day, damages cells in the eyes. So when you're, you were mentioning those symptoms of you can't close your eyes, it's, it's sore, it's, it's hard to focus, yeah. that's cellular damage caused by blue light. But what happens when you're outside during the day is that the sun has another frequency of light, red light, which has been scientifically proven to undo any of the damage caused by blue light to our, to our cells. So as we evolved, we grow up outside, we'd be outside constantly, we'd have no artificial blue light, we'd get all the benefits of blue light, we'd get some skin damage and some um, cell damage in the eyes, but then the red light from the sun would then restore that damage. Now, the issue we got inside is that artificially backlit digital devices like your smartphone, your laptop, but even like office lighting, house lighting, all contains blue light, a little bit of green light and zero red light. So we get all the damage from the blue light, but none of the restoration. So that's mm. why at the end of the day, when you use a computer or you're under artificial lights, you, you get headaches, you get dry eyes, you can get watery eyes, you can get migraines in the worst situation and a lot of fatigue because it's just causing a lot of stress to the body. So what you need to do is you need to do two things okay, during the day. You need to filter down the amount of blue light your eyes are receiving because everything is artificially lit now, so we're getting too much of it. And you do that by wearing the glasses that I'm wearing now. You can see probably as I go up and down, you can see mm -hmm. the blue being reflected off it. So that filters it down. So you don't get as much. I'm just entranced by, by your by your eyes. I feel, I feel like I might have fell in love a little bit there, but go ahead. <laughs> Beautiful blue eyes. <laughs> um, and so, so, so you do that and that, that reduces it down. It reduces the um, digital eye strain. So the dry eyes and the headaches and things. But you also need to balance the spectrum. So I, whenever I go on and educate on some of these more sort of wellness shows is that you need to have um you know red light present around your workstation you need to so i typically say like a salt lamp is pretty pretty handy to have next to um you know your computer as long as you don't mind people thinking you know you're, you're a new aged hippie you'll, you'll be doing you know good for your um good for your eye health um but also getting out and getting regular sun breaks so getting out in the morning getting out in the evening getting out midday eat your lunch outside because that red light that's coming into your eyes so don't wear sunglasses that light that's coming into your eyes is going to restore the damage now, the summer glow, okay, so this is, this is also a daytime blue light reducing um, uh, lens, but it's sort of the next stage up to what I'm wearing. Now, what we found was, and coming from the UK, it's very prevalent, people get, when there's a lack of um, sunlight and it becomes winter, people get something called seasonal affective disorder, and it can lead to things like anxiety, stress, low mood. And what we found again in the literature was, was that this was related to two things. It was related to lack of sunlight, but it was also related to the lower end of the blue light spectrum. Basically, we were getting too much of that lower end of the spectrum during the winter months because there was too much artificial light going on that it would keep cortisol levels elevated to such a degree that we would, over time, become more anxious and stressed and highly strung and... and um, just feel really low. So what we did was we thought, right, if we can block the lower end of that blue spectrum, more so than the, the clear glasses, but then also infuse our lens with color therapy, because the evidence was showing that specific colors can elevate mood. And it found Whoa. like we found that yellow basically heightened people's um, perception of the world and made them feel amazing. So we created those people that had migraines, low mood, anxiety, depression, and basically a sensitivity to light during the day. And those have been a real godsend to people as mm. well. And they also doubled as gaming glasses because they oh, removed huge. a higher, yeah, a higher performance, uh, sorry, a higher amount of the blue spectrum. And when you look at, say, the Olympics, and you look at people who do the shooting and they're doing the, the target shooting, they typically wear yellow or orange lenses. And the reason they do that is that the way blue light passes through the atmosphere is that it fragments, hence why the sky is blue, um, even though all the colors are equal in the sun spectrum. It's blue because it fragments through the atmosphere, but it also causes distortion. So when you remove a, a high percentage of the blue light when you're shooting and doing accuracy type games, um, 
you actually see sharper images. So gamers have actually jumped on our summer glow glasses, not for the health benefits, mm. but because they're getting a better gaming experience. So it was incredible. Mm. Now, moving on to after dark, you know, I mentioned something earlier called a circadian rhythm. And a circadian rhythm is governed by light and dark cycles. But what we're doing is we're having perpetual daylight because lights are on all the time and we're watching TV and on our smartphones. Now, the way that hormones work is that when our circadian rhythm is given a cue by light, a specific hormone is, is released or, um, or suppressed. So it depends on what time of the day it is that what type of hormone will be produced. After dark, the hormone that we need to be produced is melatonin, which is our sleep hormone and a powerful antioxidant to help clear any dead and damaged cells um, that, um, that are left in the body. The only way melatonin can be produced optimally is in the absence of blue and green light after dark. So what we're doing as a population is the sun setting, the brain thinks it's nighttime, we then switch on our house lights, our TV, we open our fridge, appliances are on, smartphone, etc. The blue light and the green light that's being given out by those devices is telling our brain it's daytime, let's keep cortisol levels high and we mm. don't need to produce as much melatonin. So we struggle to go to sleep or we don't sleep as deeply, we don't get the repair so we feel tired the next day. So by wearing a pair of blue light blocking glasses that actually block 100% of light between 400 and 550 nanometers, which is the entire blue spectrum and the majority of the green spectrum, you can actually trick your brain into thinking it's dark and it's, it's completely dark and it's nighttime. Think of our ancestors. What light would they have seen? Only red, only orange because of campfires. So our glasses almost cause this like camping effect where you pop mm. them on and within two to three hours after wearing them, you cannot keep your eyes open and you just go into this deep, amazing sleep. It's incredible. And the amount of I'm feedback in, dude. you can see. So, I want, yeah, so that's why I want they're important to us. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. They are incredible. So we, we had some really cool reviews, you know, people saying these are the bomb, these are amazing, these are excellent. But we had one that stood out and that was um, a personal trainer up in the Northern Territory, which is a really remote part of um, Australia. And he bought a pair for his mother who had insomnia for 30 years. And no joke, he messaged me and said, she put these on and after one night, she slept through the night. It was incredible. And wow. it was just that kind of testimonial, just like, I was so happy. And, you know, just that we could help other people. And she tried everything and all she needed mm. to do was manage light. And that's the good thing about this product is you don't have to wear it for six months to see the benefits you put it on one night and you will see the benefits immediately what a change lives bro hats off to you uh how is it working with your wife it's amazing actually um <laughs> yeah you, you've the thing is you've it's it's a very unique situation and i've had a lot of practice at it because we've actually in recruitment worked together for so we've been in recruitment for 12 years and we've worked together for 10 of them um, on different teams, but in the same company. And I think that when you start out with, like say you want to start a business with your partner, you've got to lay down some, some very, very clear objectives to start with. Otherwise you can ruin your business and you can ru ruin your relationship. And we set these down very, very soon that we divided the business up and said, right, you're basically the, the CEO of this side of the business and you're the CEO of this side of the business. And we discuss mm. everything, but ultimately, whoever's the CEO of a specific area, so, so mine, sales and marketing, education, hers is more creative brand awareness um, and you know um, the website and, and making sure everything is, is on brand. We can have says in each other's lanes, but ultimately we give carte blanche that the person who's running that has final say on, on what happens. Mm. And it's also knowing your strengths. Katie's very creative um, and she's very artistic and she's been involved in our website and our brand image. Whereas I'm more sciencey and more, um, you know, my background is more on that education sales side of things. So I know how to communicate. So, you know, that's why I do the podcast, but Katie's behind the scenes doing the social media. Um, so that, that's, I think, sort of really important that people need to understand that you need to stick to your lanes. Mm. And I think as well, you've got to communicate with your partner because running a business as an entrepreneur is a very, very stressful thing to do. It's a lot of hours. It's a lot of being alone and focusing on specific tasks. You've got to communicate with your partner. 
Um, you know, if we're one of us is feeling stressed or under the weather or not feeling our best selves, we sit down the other person and we, we, we say, I'm feeling stressed today, babe. Like, you know, if I snap at you, it's not because I'm angry at you. It's because I'm going through a lot of stress at the moment. And when that's up front, just mm-hmm. by saying that to your partner, we feel like the, the, the stress almost disappears um, and you can focus and you're more cognizant to, you know, the other person's feelings as well. So you kind of give them the space that they need. I think it's also important to draw a line of when you talk about business and when you actually have downtime away from the business. So tough. We, it's so tough, man. It's really, really is. And we typically um, do at the end of the day. So a um, couple of hours before the sun sets, um, we finish all of our um, sort of indoor work, our, our laptop stuff, and we go for a good sort of hour and a half, two hour walk outside. And that's when we debrief. That's when we talk about things. That's when that's the hour and a half where we're doing our exercise, but we're talking and we're discussing. And then when we get in the car to come home after that walk, there's no more work talk. But it is hard because it's constantly Mm. going around in your head. So, you know, I think it's doable with your partner. I think Katie and I are very, very lucky that our skill sets are the complete opposite of each other. So we kind of make this almost one sort of perfect all-rounded individual in in so much Mm. that my strengths are her weaknesses and her strengths are my weaknesses and we respect each other enough that she's like a real sort of you know boss babe when it comes to things and she has amazing networks and she's you know very creative and and can communicate very well as as well on on brand perception um that i i feel totally totally comfortable leaving her be do her bit and I'm not controlling her and she's the the other way around she knows that I'm good at certain things and she leaves me alone to do those so it's knowing your strengths and playing to them sticking to your lanes it's communication is huge as well Um, and it's also finding time that you're not just business partners because that can become very very easy as well where you're not having date nights or you know you're working late so you're not having as much sex and things like that but you know you've got to just make sure that you know she's you know your your husband and wife number one and business partners number two and you've got to just coordinate the two in so much that you know you make the time for the relationship stuff as well as the business stuff otherwise you know without one or the other the whole thing is going to come crumbling down i can tell you thought into that and i think that's so wise uh my wife and i work together and the way you communicate it and the way you think about your working relationship with your wife reminds me of how i'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, tom and lisa bill you they're co-founders yes. of quest nutrition and um lisa was talking about how they very clearly have their you know silos of what they're in charge of uh not to say that they have a say in in what the other person is doing but um, just knowing like this, this is what I'm going to take ownership of, um, can really help solve a lot of problems. And so I think, I think you guys do it well. And my wife and I have a lot to learn. Uh, we could also maybe take a few more bush walks. It sounds like, but yeah. <laughs> I'm, uh, so, so we were talking about side hustles earlier and mm. I, I played football for five years. And the feedback that I got all times from coaches was, Andrew, you always, you're never bought in. You need to go all in on this one thing. And like, f- it was football is what they were talking about. But I always felt uneasy about that. It's kind of like you um, describing your position when you were doing recruiting, where like, hey, you were super successful, but it just like didn't, it wasn't exciting enough for you. And that's kind of how look, I wasn't like an all-star player in the, in the NFL either, but like it was me doing one thing every single day. And to me, I just felt like at my core, there was something more that I was capable of. And this was boring to a certain extent. So I had a hard time buying in fully, you know what I'm saying? So that's why I've always been super, um, super excited about side hustles and people having a plan B that they're working on while they're, you know, concurrently doing a plan A. Uh, how is that? You, you said you had two years of overlap uh, before you, you dove all in six months ago. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about that? And when you finally decided to pull the trigger? Yeah, absolutely. So it was good to start as a side hustle because 
it meant there was no pressure on something mm. I was so passionate about. Um, and that's what I like. So many people quit their job when they've got an idea and then try and make it run. And I think that you're going to have a higher success rate if you start it as a, a side hustle and you put in the graft on the side rather than putting yourself in a position where you've got a shed load of stress, you've got to pay the bills and you've got no regular income coming in. And ultimately as well, the reason, I guess, before I dive into it as well, side hustles do so well is that you can re you're not drawing a salary, so you can reinvest all your profits into expansion of the business. And that's ultimately how we grew so quickly. But, you know, I started it as a side hustle. We had a very basic website. We ordered some product. Um, we got some deals done with the lab where I didn't have to hold any stock if I didn't want to, um, because I knew the guys in there. All I had to do was if someone placed an order on my website, they would make me the pair of lenses in the frame within mm. two days. And then they would charge me for it in 30 days time. So I had like a really good cash flow model. Now, where it, it, it sort of progressed on, um, the first six months didn't really do any podcasts or anything like that to do the education. I was writing a few blogs. Um, I was posting a lot in, in groups where I thought people would understand this product. Um, that started to, to do really well for me. And then it just, it just started to grow month on month. It just sort of more and more grew um, until a point where about a year in, it was getting to a point where it was, you know, it was doing really good. It was doing like $20,000 a month, um, in revenue. And like, as a side hustle, obviously that's, that's huge. Um, and then the, the issue, the issue began when it hit this stage because I was ordering my stock and supplies to the office where I was working. Um, and it was just the odd box here and there, like now and again. And then people was just like seeing how much it was growing and like, what the hell is going on? And then I, about six months after that, so we're about sort of maybe 18 months in now, it was getting so much that these boxes were like covering my desk. And I was just like, oh my God. And then people were getting pissed off obviously with it. And um, <laughs> people, I got pulled into an office saying like, what is this? And I was just like, oh, it's just a little hobby. You know, it's all good. And they were just like, oh yeah, whatever. And luckily I was doing well in my job. So they left me, left me alone. But then I just thought, right, I've got to actually start getting these boxes delivered elsewhere, which was a nightmare. So I hired um, some old deer actually that was just wanted a few hours work here and there to basically sit in my house and, and pay her like 25 bucks an hour just to take these deliveries. And she was like, just a sweet old lady. And she was loving that. And that allowed me to sort of continue on a little bit more in, in the business that I was working in. And then it just came a point when it went from very quickly, it, it, it sort of went about five, six, 700% growth in, in sort of six to seven months because we utilized a marketing strategy of, of me going on podcasts to educate people about our product and then running a podcast sponsorship campaign for six episodes where the host would basically read out, you know, about how they endorse the product and they love it. Um, and that just literally took us stratospheric. We, we just chose the right podcasts. Um, we had a bit of luck in the beginning where the first three or four that we chose um, would, would bring in sort of six, seven times return on investment. Um, and then we just scaled that model. And, you know, it just came a point where, and I remember, I remember saying it to Katie, I said, when we sell 10 pairs of glasses a day consistently, we can quit our job. And it got to 10 and it got to 15 and it got to 20 and we were still working for the man. And we we're like, oh, it's, it's probably not yeah. quite right. And then we, we thought to ourselves, let's just sit down here and do what we did when we came to Australia. What's the worst that's going to happen? We've got, you know, six figures of cash in the business. We've got enough to pay our salaries for a couple of years. Let's just give this a go. What's the worst that's going to happen? Like we're both really good at our job in recruitment. We'll leave on good terms and the door will always be open if it fails. And, you know, it was just the, the best thing we ever did. And a lot of people said, how did it feel that first day of working for yourself and, and that being your actual main job? And the, the truth is, and it's the same for both Katie and I, it just felt right. It felt normal. It felt sitting down with our Macs that first day, we, we were just sort of 
floated into our sort of day and, and everything sort of came right. We felt more focused. We felt we had clearer heads. We could channel our, um, I guess, our entrepreneurship into specific niches, look what's working, look what wasn't working and expand that way. Um, and we were just said to ourselves, why didn't we do this sooner? And, you know, I'm a very calculated guy and I take a lot of risks in business and, and I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't take those risks. But there is a lot of analytics that go into the back end of it as well. And it's all very calculated. And it was the same with our exit strategy. And I think I, you know, the lesson I learned was I was probably a little bit too overcautious. Um, but, you know, it, it allowed running it as a side hustle for as long as we did allowed us to invest you know six figures into marketing in in our sort of first year and, and second year you know tripling that and you know really being able to you know not go wow we're we're, we're real rock stars now we can you know draw a million dollar salary we actually halved our salary and still are on half of the salary we were earning when we were in recruitment because we want to take the money that's, that's coming into the business and keep scaling this because we're not happy with you know that amount of money. We want to do the Tom and Lisa Beely thing. We want to be the unicorn of, of the blue light world and the startup world and be the best in the world and continue to educate. And education, unfortunately, in a lot of cases can cost money. And we wanted to keep that money in the business to keep educating, keep empowering people, which would then ultimately grow our business. So, you know, I think that if we had started this business straight off the bat, I don't think it would have worked. I think it would have maybe been okay now maybe enough to pay for one of our salaries um but the fact that we did it calculated and we we reinvested all of our money into marketing and education it allowed us to grow while still having an income from our day jobs mm. so the therapist i guess that you went to uh on your boss's recommendation that said you need to start your own company um I'm just thinking about the the words that you've shared with us today and the, and the thoughts that you've shared with us today. Um, I feel like, you know, the personality tests, I think there's a lot of validity, validity to them, but I think what's yeah. more important in that instance is maybe that person, that therapist affirmed in you something that you had a sneaking suspicion of and, and like a, a, a hidden desire to do that ultimately sparked you to like actually do that. And so I think you've given some really good words for, you know, maybe people that want to start a side hustle or that have an idea that, that they think is good. And, and you've, you've kind of laid out a great trajectory for them to, to learn how to pursue that. You did the market research and then you like really dove head in to make sure that's a quality product and your product is, is the best. And that's what you set out to do. Um, I'm, I'm impressed with how you have sequenced this, this, uh, this company out and you're, you're doing a good thing, not just with the product itself, but also in, uh, inspiring other people. And, and as you share this, so I'm curious, um, you, you kind of alluded vaguely to, Hey, these are, these are the goals and growing the business, but like personally on a, on a, on a personal level, um, or it could be related to, to blue blocks. What is it that you want to do now? What are your goals now? Yeah, my goals is, and, and this really comes down to a couple of posts that I've done on social media recently where it's, it's frustrating to see so many people that are in isolation at the moment use their time so poorly, okay? Mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're watching Netflix, they're binging on TV and, and lying around and whinging. And, you know, you see the hustlers out there are using this time to educate um, in their, you know, and invest in their best resource, which is their self. And, you know, for me, during this time and throughout the rest of 2020 and, and beyond, my personal goals are to just level up in terms of um, investment in myself. I, as we speak now, well, I'll look back on this in a year's time and be like, wow, I didn't know this, that or, or, or the other then. And I want to improve and, and continually upskill myself through, through self-education. And a lot of people look at Blue Blocks for what it is now. And they don't look at it from, you know, the 32-year-old the, the guy that started it up a, a couple of years ago 
knowing absolutely nothing about being an entrepreneur, knowing nothing about how Shopify works or how to go on a podcast or how to even educate people. And these things have been learned in, uh, along the way from no one but myself. And, and I've gone and, and researched these things and gone in depth and, and looked at other companies and how they've done things. So for me personally, and, and advice to others as well, is use your time wisely and invest in your best resource and, resource and asset, which is yourself. And that is just what I want to do. Continue to learn, to continue to become better um, and, and ultimately more powerful in, in what I do in, in both you know, my personal life and in, in my business. Love that. Uh, you've already shared so many good nuggets of wisdom with us, but if you could, if you could give the audience three takeaways of things that you've learned over your professional life or personal life um, that you'd like to share, I'm curious what those yeah. would be. Absolutely. I think the first one is mindset is key to success. I think that there is a whole host of incredible ideas floating around out there at the moment but there's a real lack of execution. So it's a mindset thing. You know, everyone can have a good idea, but why do some ideas come to fruition and succeed and others don't? And I believe it's all down to mindset. And I believe it's how you think about things and how you go into um, getting that idea from the inside to the outside. Um, because when you look at the world, everything you see from the microphone you're speaking into, from the clothes you are wearing, has come from someone's mind and someone has taken mm -hmm. that idea out of their mind and produced it and, and turned it into a company or a design or whatever it may be. And the good thing is about entrepreneurship and starting a business is no one is born with these skills. No one is born with this mindset. So it's in everyone's power to actually be able to take what they manifest within their brains um, and, and it from their inside and put it into practice in the outside. And there's never an excuse to be like, oh, I can't do it, I don't have that skill set, or I don't have that mindset. The brain can be changed and it can be transformed to think in the way that you want it to, to think. So I think that's number one for me. I think number two is that so many people at the moment are like, work smarter, not harder. Why can't it be both? Hmm. I think that you need to find a way to work smarter I think that, you know, when you're looking at 80-20 rules, um, you know, you're looking at sort of Pareto's law, you're looking at Parkinson's law in, in, in terms of business and how time can take up a specific task. Um, you know, the, the time you give a task can, can basically determine how, how long it takes to do. And, you know, the 80-20 rule in terms of, you know, 20% of what you're doing now is, is yielding 80% of, of, of your results. So, you know, you need to look at that critically, but then you need to work hard on that 20%. Um, you need to set yourself time goals where, right, I'm only going to spend two hours doing this piece of work. And when it's done, that's it finished and it's out and next. Um, not being too much of a perfectionist, but work smarter isn't picking up Tim Ferriss's book, taking away the context of I only need to work four hours a week. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, that's the end goal. That's amazing. But, you know, as an entrepreneur, I'm working, you know, sort of 80 plus hours a week still. But that of those 80 hours in that week, zero hours are wasted. They're very clear goals, they're very smart objectives, very measurable of what I want to achieve. Um, and I also have downtime as well where, where I can as well. So work smarter and harder is, is key for me. And I think the third one is failure is the key to success. And I know it's very cliche because everyone always says that, you know, it's, but I think it's so important that if you go into life or business thinking, oh, I'm going to fail. You're going to fail and you're going to feel shit about it. Mm. When you go into business and life going, I know I'm going to fail and I'm going to learn something from this, which is going to ultimately lead me to be better in the future. Then you see it differently. So it goes back to number one that I said, mindset. It's thinking about things differently. And I think that with failure, it, it works two ways. I think that number one, when you fail, you learn and you upskill yourself, okay? And that all comes down to mindset. But there is, there is also another way that I've adopted, and that is learning from other people's failures, okay? So with my business, for instance, I picked two companies that were five years ahead of me that basically started up very similar in a similar niche and grew themselves to, you know, seven, eight-figure um, businesses within seven years. And I researched the hell out of them. 
I even contacted them and I'm in touch with their CEOs, their marketing directors. And I basically said to them, I want to, I want to learn from your mistakes. I want to understand what you you've done poorly. And I want to understand what you've done well. And I want to understand your business model. And every time I reach out to people within these companies, that they're receptive. They want to speak to me. They want to meet me. They want to talk to me. They, they love it. They love talk. Like entrepreneurs love talking about themselves and, and how they've done and, and empowering others. And that has been huge for me. So I've learned a lot from their failures. What, you know, for instance, I mentioned earlier that, you know, a lot of my growth came from podcast um, sponsorship. Well, I picked two companies that have succeeded in their growth model to use that same strategy. And every time I have a podcast that's brought to me, I go to their podcast spend agents and I say to them, have you worked with this podcast? How did it perform for you? What are your figures? Um, it was the cost, you know, you know, per acquisition of customer that you've achieved on this. And then I can look at it critically and be like, well, it didn't work for them. Will it work for me? And that has saved me a lot of money learning from other people's failures. So I would mm -hmm. say those are the three for me. Mindset is key. Work smarter and harder, um, smarter and harder. Um, and also don't be afraid to fail and failure is the key to success. Wow. Andy, you're very well-spoken. I'm, I'm really impressed. Um, if you listening want to find out more about Andy, you can find him, uh, at I am Andy Mant, or also I've linked his stuff in the description down below. Also check out blue blocks. Uh, that's B L U B L O X.com. Um, Andy verbalize the clear importance and value add that, that those products, uh, bring to your life. They also do amazing customization options and, uh, mm. you guys are known for the style that, that you add. So, uh, Andy, you have any parting words? Yeah, just, just two. Um, number one, I set up a, um, a discount code actually for the podcast. So redirected if people want to buy blue blocks, 15% off. So just code redirected. Um, but also I wanted to say that even though education is, is key for me, um, charity has also been really key for Katie and I for, for about a decade. So from day one, we actually partnered with a company in the States called Restoring Vision, if people want to look them up. And they put reading glasses onto people in the develop, developing world that can't afford them. So for every pair of Blue Blocks glasses we sell, we donate the monetary equivalent to a pair of reading glasses to Restoring Vision. Um, so they can buy reading glasses and put them on people in the developing world that can't help themselves. So, you know, we want to just make sure that, you know, that awareness is brought up as well, that what Restoring Vision are doing and the fact that, you know, if you join our tribe um, and help yourself through the, you know, empowering message we're trying to put out there, you're also going to be helping someone that can't help themselves as well. So I just wanted to say those two things as well, Andrew. Andy, appreciate all you do, man. Pleasure talking. Thanks very much. Yeah, absolute pleasure. Thanks, Andrew. Yep.